Welcome back to the MTN Giants podcast. We're reacting to the final regular season game. And ever since I've been doing Giants commentary since 2018's season, um, this would be it. This would be the last game we're reacting to, but this is the first time we're going to be in the playoffs, which is amazing. And the Giants will be at Minnesota next week as expected. Things went the way they were supposed to. Philly won. Not as easy as I thought it would be for Philly, to be honest with you, but we'll talk about that. And of course, San Fran, they blew out the uh, the Cardinals. So that game was actually close for a bit, but then the you know Niners won by like 30. So the Giants will be at Minnesota. Not sure what day what time we'll learn about that stuff in the coming hours days we'll find out soon i'm sure but anyway the giants do lose 16 to 22 philly gets the first seed whatever they're 14 and 3 now the giants they are 3 6 and 1 in their past what is that 10 games so obviously you know it's not what you want to see as i said in my preview video you'd rather have it be the opposite where you start out the year slow and end the second half on like a hot streak, kind of like what the Packers are doing right now. But still, the Giants are 9-7-1 and one at the end of the day, so that's all that matters. But uh, it was fun. It was, you know, honestly, no losses are that fun, but I would say it's the most enjoyable loss you can have because it literally felt like a preseason game and your opponent was playing for a lot and they still had trouble beating this team. I mean... We knew kind of early on when it was 16-0, it was going to be tough for the Giants to come back in this game and win, but... In the fourth quarter, they outscored Philly 13-3, to and they actually made it again. They only lost by six, and the Giants coming into this, I believe, were 16.5-point underdogs. So it's a battle like that, and to just keep fighting, and despite not having uh, any luck on the fake uh, field goal and the fake uh, the onside kick, you know, the Giants still found a way to play very good defense with their third and fourth string corners versus... Um, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown and even Dallas Goddard. So I, I think they played a very good game. It sucks you don't win, but to see Davis Webb get his first NFL star and have his first passing touchdown, completion, rushing touchdown, and um, you know have some nice moments, it was cool to see. So, of course, Gary Brightwell had the most yards rushing and Lawrence Cager led in receiving, things you would see in the preseason, not the regular season, but this was a special occurrence here for the Giants. But, yeah, we'll talk about this game. We'll talk about... The future, of course, the Vikings game, we'll talk about that for a bit, and then, of course, we'll do like the in-depth preview on most likely Friday, so I hope you guys stay tuned for that. I hope you guys enjoy this video, leave a like, and let's get into it. So we'll start on offense, as we always do, but I actually want to just give a shout-out to the coaches, because not only today, but for the entire season, I mean, the Giants, of course, you know, they came in as, as uh, I think, projected seven wins, maybe seven, I think it was seven, yeah, seven on the dot. And, of course, they finished with nine wins. And this was a team that was in an obvious rebuilding year. They were not supposed to make the playoffs. They were probably supposed to be the last team in this division. They were not supposed to be in the postseason. And today's game is like another example of, you know, Philly playing their guys and starting everybody and wanting to get that number one seed. I mean, I know Jalen Hurts came back from the shoulder injury. He missed the past two games. Okay, maybe he was a bit rusty. He clearly did not want to get hit. But for the Giants to stay in that game with the amount of talent they had out there, which was not much at all. I mean, you're sitting guys like Saquon and Daniel Jones and Dory Jackson, Xavier McKinney and Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence and like Aziz Ojolari, Kayvon Thibodeau, the list goes on and on. For the Giants to compete with those guys off the field versus a Philly team who is 14-3 and and getting the one seed, it's very, it's impressive stuff. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, the coaching staff has done a tremendous job 
with what they have been given. And I do think, you know, we can get sit here and give Daniel Jones a lot of credit, which he deserves, and Saquon Barkley a lot of credit, which he deserves, and the defense a lot of credit, the players individually, Dexter Lawrence having a breakout season. But without the coaching I don't think we get here, all right? Like, we saw what happened under Pat Shermer, under Joe Judge, and it's not even close to what we're seeing right now. So the fact that the Giants are in great hands with – you know, not even just Brian Dable, who's been a great first-year coach, and I do think deserves Coach of the Year once again, but Don Martindale on defense, I thought he called an excellent game. There was, like, one time he kind of annoyed me where they had a screen pass to Goddard, and it was a pretty obvious blitzing situation, so that kind of annoyed me. But outside of that, a pretty flawless defensive, you know, um, called game from Don Martindale. And even the offense with Mike Kafka, even though you had some wacko fans saying that Mike Kafka should be fired at one point this year. But what the offense is doing with what they have is very impressive. You know, it, it does coincide with, um, you know, the quarterbacks. Of course, Jones playing in the last, you know, what, 16 games, um, playing mostly turnover-free football. That definitely helps. But, you know, Davis Webb today, no turnovers. Almost had a couple, as we know. But um, he did a good job protecting the ball. And Daniel Jones did a good job protecting the ball the entire season. But I think without these coaches, the Giants wouldn't even be in this situation. I don't think it's outlandish to say that whatsoever. So, of course, the players deserve credit. But for me, if you're trying to give... um a certain percentage of, of credit to who deserves the credit for being a nine win team. I would say the coaches are on top. I really do believe that. I think without these coaches, I don't think the giants have this type of turnaround. If you, if you replace Joe judge with an average coach, I don't think the giants are in this place right now. So I think the giants are in great hands with the coaches they have. And it leaves you very excited for the future because you know, the Giants roster will get better. And, you know, they're coming off uh, the Dave Guttelman tenure. And I know now that Dave Guttelman's kind of getting his flowers from some people because this roster has a lot of his guys on it. And yeah, I get it. But like the guy was still an awful GM. Like you're going to find good players in four years of drafting and <laughs> signing guys. But um, still, I mean, Dave Guttelman was awful, let's be honest. But um, all right. So back into this game now, as we just talked about the coaching staff. But Davis Webb was 23 of 40, 168, one touchdown, no turnovers. As I mentioned, he almost had a couple. There was a dropped interception a couple times, but luckily none there. Gary Brightwell, 11 attempts, 60 yards, 5.5 per carry. And Lawrence Cager was the leading receiver with eight catches for 69 yards. And I believe Cager had a very key play on the fourth and short in the fourth quarter where right before the Galladay touchdown, and um, he had to, like, reach over the first down line. He got it. I think it was Cager. It may have been Marcus Johnson, but I'm, like, pretty sure it was Cager, so you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But, um, yeah, Kenny Galladay. I mean, I definitely want to talk about this. It was one of those things where, like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it was, I was so happy for the guy because, like, I always think back to that tweet the Giants account on Twitter made and probably Instagram too, um, and probably Facebook, every social media. But I was thinking back to that post where they posted before last year, 2021, where they said, Kenny Galladay will have blank amount of touchdowns this year. And you have people responding, 8, 10, 11, 12, and blah, blah, blah. And it took him until the final game of 2022, not 2021, 2022, to finally find the freaking end zone. And it wasn't just like your regular touchdown guy was wide open. No, this was a spectacular catch by Kenny Galladay, a 50-50 ball where, you know, I don't know why he doesn't get more chances. Like, I get Galladay is pretty washed and definitely, you know, has dealt with injuries and things like that. But 
I don't know why, even when Daniel Jones is in, I don't know why the Giants can't give this guy a 50-50 ball once per game. I mean, like, he's that's the one thing he's good at. I mean, he has the size. He has the ability to track the ball. And, like, we saw what happened today or tonight when they gave him a 50-50 shot, and it resulted in a touchdown. So I don't know why they can't do more of that going forward, but obviously Galladay probably won't be a big part of the Giants' playoff plans. It'll mostly be Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James and um, Darius Slayton. So those will be the main guys. But if Galladay gets in there, I don't know why you wouldn't give him 50-50 balls. You know what I mean? Because people say like, oh, well, that could result in an interception. And like, yeah, you're right. Anytime you throw the ball, it could result in an interception. I get it. But it can also result in a big play like this one was a touchdown or like a pass interference, defensive holding or whatever. Like there's more positives that come out of throwing a 50-50 ball than, you know, turning the ball over. And even if you turn the ball over on a 50-50 ball, most times when you're throwing a 50-50 ball, it's 30, 40, 50 yards down the field. So it's kind of like an arm punt in a way. You know, it's you don't want to turn the ball over, but it's not like you're throwing a interception near your line of scrimmage or something like that where it's much more, um, it's much worse. So I would much rather see Kenny Galladay get a shot or two per game, but I doubt that's going to change. But after seeing what happened today, I don't know why it can't happen, but for a guy who's making $72 million to be a guy who was supposed to be the the red zone monster for the Giants to finally score a touchdown, it was great to see. So I'm happy for the guy. And then Jahad Ward sat down next to him in the TV you know, caught that, uh, you know, glimpse of Jihad Ward giving double middle fingers. I mean, you know, between Jihad Ward and what Eli Manning did on the Manning cast last year, the double bird has been definitely big for the giants of, you know, the past and current. So it's great to see that. But, um, Davis Webb, he trucked a guy for a touchdown. That was cool. That was the first touchdown of the game for the giants when they scored in the early fourth quarter. And they started to make it a game. It was like six, it was 22 to 10, I think, after that, or 19 to 10 or something. I don't know. It was still like a two possession game, but it was cool to see um, Davis Webb truck a guy for a touchdown. So Brian Dable tried two fakes on special teams, and uh, it did not go well. So he tried to pull a, uh, what was it, the Saints in 2010, I think, the Super Bowl when they won it uh, with Drew Brees. And they tried the, uh, well, they didn't try. They successfully recovered the onside kick out of halftime. And I do believe, uh, fun fact, former giant Jonathan Casillas actually uh, recovered that onside kick. I'm pretty sure it was him. I hope it's him or else that would be not a fun fact. That'd be a false fact. But um, I'm pretty sure it was Casillas. But yeah, the Giants tried that. It almost worked, but, you know, the ball kind of went out of bounds. I think it was Kayvon Wallace uh, recovered that for Philly, but... I didn't mind it. I mean, look, you're down two possessions to a team that you're under two or over two touchdown underdogs to. Like, I didn't mind that at all. But, you know, I tweeted that Brian Dable was out there playing Madden because that came right after the uh, the fake field goal as well. And that was a play where, you know, it was a 47 yard field goal, I believe. So not an easy one. But Graham Gano is mostly going to make that. But they decide to have the holder uh, Gillian, 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 Gillian you know, the punter, I'll call him, he, you know, rolls out and tries to throw it to the tight end, but he was covered. And for some reason, he just like, it was a deer in headlights. He stood there and did nothing. I, I would rather just have the punter throw the ball to the tight end. And like, maybe you get a pass interference or something like just to get sacked basically was bad. So I wish uh, Jamie Gillian Gillen threw that ball because, you know, obviously taking a sack there on a uh, fourth down play was not ideal. So lots of mistakes. I mean, the Giants, I'll look at the penalty yardage, but it just felt like every time they were in a third down situation or something like there was always a false start. The Giants had eight penalties resulting in 66 yards. 
Philly only had four penalties for 30 yards. So obviously when you're playing backups, guys that are not very disciplined, I mean, it's going to happen, but it was frustrating because there would be like a third and five and then it goes to third and 10. And, you know, sometimes that'd be the difference between like converting and not converting. So that stuff was annoying. Evan Neal, he had a rough last game of the season, a very up and down year for uh, Evan Neal to put it nicely, of course, had the injury. Um, I'm not giving up on him at all. Like I am definitely not out on Evan Neal. Um, If he shows no improvement in year two, we'll have that conversation. But for right now, at least I am not concerned at all. I mean, of course, I'm concerned right now because we have a playoff game coming up and I hope he doesn't get manhandled by you know Daniil Hunter and guys like that but um we'll find out I I don't have concerns about the long-term future of Evan Neal I think he'll be fine he's been a stud for a long time he played three different positions on the offensive line for Alabama he was great so I I think he'll adjust and he'll be all right but hopefully he gets to go in next year not even next year starting next week I hope Evan Neal becomes a stud but this was not his best showing Uh, The Giants offensive line, now this is a positive, did not allow a sack or a quarterback hit, which is awesome. Um, I do have to give credit to Davis, uh, I almost said Davis Mills, wow, Davis Webb, um, for the way he maneuvered the pocket. He looked very good. I mean, he looked like a natural out there, honestly. My friend watching this game, um, he was like, I feel like, you know, Webb has not been sacked at all today. And then, you know, he was correct. And, you know, I did notice that he was doing a very good job of eluding pressure. And when there was pressure, actually, Davis Webb is faster than I thought. I mean, he's not there. Daniel Jones. Like Daniel Jones is like a gazelle. He has those long legs and the long strides, but Davis Webb is pretty quick in his own right. So that was cool to see, but he definitely got out of some pressure. He also did that thing where you spin out to your left, which is something I hope Jones, you know, adds to his game in the future. Uh, he might do it sometimes, but I don't, I don't see it enough. But, you know, he did like that rollout to his left, the spin move on Hassan Reddick, and he almost completed that pass in the first quarter. It was off the one hand of um, Marcus Johnson. That would have been a sick play. So, um, yeah, to see that you know I I wish it I wish it obviously was caught but um, Davis Webb found a way to extend some plays today and uh, it was nice to see I think he had very good pocket awareness out there so that was cool so yeah offensively it was pretty ugly for most of the game but the fourth quarter came around and um, you know they got got a bit better and Philly's defense was allowing some bigger plays that they were not allowing early on but um, the main thing was seeing Kenny Galladay score that was awesome and of course you know this I I saw Talking Giants tweet this and it's a very good question so I want to ask you guys will this be remembered as the Kenny Galladay game or the Davis Webb game because that's a very good question I think for me I'm going to say it's a Davis Webb game because this will probably be the only time Davis Webb ever starts a game for the Giants in his career. I mean, unless something crazy happens, but um, I think this is the Davis Webb game. If you want to call it the Galladay game, I'm not going to argue, but that's just my opinion. I'll call it the Davis Webb game. Um, Giants defense. Boston Scott scored a touchdown. I put the sky is blue, you know, in in like the uh, quotations because he scores every time he plays the Giants. I think I saw that Boston Scott has either 16 or 17 career touchdowns and 10 of those are against the Giants. So I don't know how the man does it. I really don't. But every time he gets the ball inside like the 10 yard line, you're just, you know, what's going to happen. So uh, good for Boston Scott, who, by the way, is very good at Rocket League, a game that I'm not very good at. So I'm jealous of Boston Scott and I don't like him because you know, he scores on my Giants every time. So maybe he'll give me some Rocket League lessons at one point. Um, Defense was great today. You know, they held Philly to five field goals. I mean, that was awesome. As I said, I know Jalen Hurts came back first game in a while. But for the lack of talent they had out there, to hold them to five field goals, 22 offensive points on top of your offense, not putting them 
the Giants offense, you know, they went for the onside kick. That already gave Philly great field position. They went for the fake field goal. That gave Philly good field position. The Giants offense for a lot of the first three quarters was trash. So Philly had good field position, but the Giants still held them to three so many times. And I do think um, Nick Seriani probably opted to go with more field goals because he knew the Giants offense was not going to respond and put up some big points. So he probably thought, hey, we can win this game getting by on field goals. So maybe that altered Nick Seriani's decision making. I definitely can see that. But I do give the Giants defense credit with the guys they had out there making the plays they did. Um, Timon Fox, he had some big plays, a big pressure that caused an incompletion. He was making some key tackles. So it was great to see him out there. Dame Belton, end zone interception. That was a big play, you know, kind of got the Giants some momentum, and I think they scored a couple touchdowns right after that. And it was funny because that play, the play right before the Dame Belton interception, I think that, by the way, that's Dame Belton's second interception this year in the end zone, right? I think he had one... It was on the left side of the end zone. I forget who it's against now. It was, I think it was a home game, maybe versus Houston, maybe. I could be wrong, but I think he had one against Houston. But anyway, um, so right before the Dane Belton interception and played before, Devontae Smith did score a touchdown, but then a late flag came in for an illegal man downfield. So Philly like lost five yards, had to play it, uh, played it down again. And then Jalen Hurts, the same way he forced the ball to take Crowder last year when the Giants were home against Philly. Um, I think the Giants won that game. That was the game where Jones hurt his neck, but... He just forced the ball for some reason, and, you know, Dane Belton was right there for the interception, so he made a play. Credit to him. Uh, Dane Belton's made some plays this year. He has not been perfect at all, but Dane Belton has been a playmaker, so I hope he improves in year two. He's been looking pretty good for the most part. Of course, he has to stay healthy. He hurt his collarbone this year, so hopefully Dane Belton does stay healthy because I do think he can be a pretty good you know, rotational secondary piece for a long time, kind of like Julian Love. Julian Love for a long time was just that really good depth piece that the Giants had. Then he really turned into a really good player this year, Julian Love. So I hope that Damian Belton has a similar trajectory that Julian Love had. Nick McLeod even had one and a half sacks. So that was good to see. They kind of gave Nick McLeod some love in the, on, on the broadcast. So it was good to see that. I think he had some rough moments versus AJ Brown, but like it is what it is. I mean, I didn't expect that matchup to go that great anyway. Uh, Gerard Davis is Jared Davis or Gerard? I, I feel like it's Gerard, but I could be wrong. Jared Davis, Gerard Davis, he played a lot. The Giants just picked him up from, I think, Detroit's practice squad. He had 10 tackles, and apparently the Giants like him a lot. So um, he might be the Giants starting inside linebacker against the Vikings next week. It would not shock me all that much. The Giants definitely have a lot of um, issues at the inside linebacker spot. I mean, they were kind of resorting to playing uh, Landon Collins there at some points, and obviously we know Landon is more of a strong safety, not an inside linebacker. So, uh, yeah, Davis might play a lot of inside linebacker versus Minnesota. I'm definitely prepared for that. He had 10 tackles total. Um, I didn't notice him making any spectacular plays, but he wasn't bad either. So I will take that for the Giants linebacker spot, that's for sure. But, um... A great game from Don Martindale. There was the time where Jalen Hurts got sacked on back-to-back -back plays in the red zone because Don Martindale just sent so much pressure and he had nowhere to go with the ball. So that was good to see. I mean, Jalen Hurts, as I mentioned, he was avoiding hits any way he could today. So this was not like the 100% version of Jalen Hurts. But as I said, to hold them to 22 offensive points with short fields and your main guys out on defense, it's very impressive. I was very happy with what I saw on the defense today. And um, that's pretty much it. I mean, there's not much else to say about this game. Um, as I mentioned, the Giants, they will get the Vikings next week. Um, I saw that Dalvin Cook went down with an injury, but I do believe he's fine. So I would not expect him to miss that game. But yeah, it's going to be next week, of course. Um, Kirk Cousins played and Nick Mullins played, but Cousins, he had a good game out there. You know, he was playing at Chicago outdoors and 
that's a tough environment. But yeah, he uh, he had a pretty good game, Kirk Cousins. But yeah, we saw that matchup a few weeks ago. I think it was Christmas Eve, right? Giants and Vikings. And I think that was a week 15, 16, something like that. So, you know, they're going to be playing next week. And I think the Giants have a chance. I really do. And I did tweet that I think the Giants will win that game. And I'm not trying to be a homer. You guys know I'm not a homer. I'm very honest about my opinions on here. Um, I think the Giants can win that game 100%. So uh, I hope they do it. Daniel Jones had a great game through the air against the Vikings over 300 yards, 30 for 42, one touchdown, had the one interception. But as I said, when Jones throws an interception, but he's being aggressive, I don't care. Like I would rather have him be aggressive than be conservative all game and have no interceptions. So that's the way I look at it. You definitely put up more points with explosive plays. We know that. Saquon had a pretty good game versus Minnesota, had the big fourth and two run to tie the game and the two-point conversion right after. So that was good. Richie James, Hodgins had big games, even Darius Slayton, 79 yards. So the Giants offense, they can put up points at Minnesota. I, I do not, you know not believe that for one second. I really do believe the Giants offense will put up at least 20 against Minnesota. Unless like unless they like crap their pants because it's a playoff game or something like that, which I don't think will happen. Um because for a lot of guys it's their first playoff game. Like, you know, I think for mostly our entire offense, it's probably their first playoff game. Like you think about Jones, Barkley, um, maybe Hodgins. I don't think he played in playoff games, but um, you know, Richie James maybe for San Fran, um, but definitely not did not play a big role like he is right now. Bellinger, um, pretty much the entire offensive line outside of Feliciano, just everybody. Like it's their first playoff game, Darius Slayton. So um, there might be some you know jitters, some nerves, and things like that. But as long as they get over that stuff, I, there's no reason why the Giants offense will not put up a lot of points against Minnesota. And I'm not saying like 35, but I'm saying like 20 plus. Give me like 21 to 27 points or something. I think the Giants defense hopefully can do a good job against Minnesota's offense, which of course they have guys, they have Jefferson, they have Cook, they have Thielen, they have you know both their tight ends. Now I think that um, Irv Smith is back along with TJ Hawkinson. So they have guys, a ton of weapons on that team. Even um, what's his name? KJ Osborne, the third receiver, led them in yards today. He had a big catch. So um, yeah, I mean, look, their offense is good. Kirk Cousins basically had 300 yards and three touchdowns against the Giants last time they played. So um, it's going to happen. What the hell just happened with this field goal in the Packers game? I don't know what just happened. They like skipped the ball on the ground, but now there's a flag. So I don't know. Anyway, um, but yeah, I want to see the Packers win. That'd be cool. I think Packers Niners would be a cool matchup in the first round. So I will do my entire like playoff preview uh, probably tomorrow, right? Tomorrow's Monday. Yeah, I'll do my playoff preview and predictions and all that stuff tomorrow. But uh, as for the Giants, you know, they lose a close one today is what it is. I think it kind of hurt Philly's confidence, though. I do say that. You know what I mean? Like, I saw someone tweet that today that Brian Dable had, like, this whole reverse psychology thing of... um like playing his backups against Philly and Philly barely winning and then losing a lot of confidence. And like, maybe there's something to that. I don't know. But I, I do think the Giants did make the right choice by benching their main starters. I definitely wanted that to happen. As I was reacting to the Colts game last week, I told you guys the same thing. I'm like, I'd rather just not see those guys play and go into Minnesota or San Fran, whatever it would be healthy. And we're going to get that. So that's great to see. Of course, you know, practices, you never know. But for the most part, these guys will be healthy. And that's all you want to see. We'll see what happens in the first playoff game in the last, what, six years, I think it's been, since the Green Bay one, where it did not go too well. But the Giants will be at another NFC North opponent. This time it's the Vikings. And hopefully they find a way to win. And I do think they will. So we'll talk about that game more in depth on Friday. I hope you guys stay tuned for that. Hope you guys enjoyed this video. And I'll talk to you guys next time.